a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Thank you guys for for being here. Um, Actually, this past year I spent my time on the media side, uh, although it it was broadcast and TV media, but I have a heightened appreciation um, for the job that all media do. So I appreciate you guys being here. Um, I'm thrilled and honored uh, to be the head coach of the Salt Lake Stars um, and for the belief of the Jazz organization and the management of the Salt Lake Stars to give me an opportunity uh, to be a part of, of the Stars and the proud tradition of the Jazz. Um, you know, I want to thank my family, uh, Lindsay, Jack, and Charlie. Uh, they're very excited to have a team again. Um, and I'm excited for them. You know, like one of my favorite things in, in coaching is to be able to share that with the people that you care most about. And so they're they're pumped. And uh, you'll see them at the games, you know, cheering loudly. So, um, but this is, a, this is a great opportunity for me. My basketball journey has taken me really all over the place and I love the game and I love coaching and coaches and I've spent two years out of it you know if you don't count the seventh and eighth grade teams I coached in in Park City I do but most people uh, don't Um, I actually think it's actually pretty good training Um, but I've spent two years out of coaching and really especially this past year, there were things that I really missed about coaching. And uh, as a head coach or any type of coach, you have the ability to impact people and make deep connections with people. Um, And I missed that. And I look forward to the opportunity uh, to do that with both the staff and the players. Um, I'm I'm honored to have that opportunity and responsibility again. Uh, The second thing I I missed about coaching was being a part of a team and the opportunity to be a part of a group and to help move that group forward to both the individual and and collective goals of the Stars and and the Jazz is something um, I'm thrilled about. And so, you know, I think one of the exciting things about coaching here is the quality of people. Uh, You know, I've spent two years in in Park City. And during those two years, uh, the jazz organization, uh, Justin and and Danny and and those guys, and Quinn, who's a good friend of mine, 
uh, were very generous with allowing me to observe and watch them work. And I love watching coaches and players work. And so through that time, I, I got to know the organization at a deeper level beyond uh, the Stockton Malone era when I was a kid, just marveling at the pick and roll. Um, and, you know, I, I am looking forward uh, to honoring um, the commitment they showed to me and work, looking forward to working with Marquise. During this process, I've gotten to know him at a deeper level. And uh, because of my experiences, I can recognize outstanding people that are super talented. So I'm looking forward to partnering with him to try to create an environment with the stars uh, that can be beneficial to the players who are under our watch and to the jazz organization as well. So uh, I couldn't be more thrilled. I'm ready to get started. You know, uh, when I was planning my summer, I didn't have this on my bingo card. Um, so I'm, I'm juggling a few balls between running my own camps for kids and, and trying to, uh, to figure out what needs to be done with the stars. So um, I'm, I'm thrilled to be here and look forward to working with, with all of you as well this season. Yeah, you know, I think, um, you know, one of the things in coaching is, at least for me and, and from the coaches I talk to for them too, you're moving a million miles an hour. And so the inertia of the job, sometimes you're, you're just always on to the next thing. And I didn't do a good job of, at times, like carving out time to self-reflect and, and really figure out, you know, the things that I needed to do to be better because there's always tasks to be done, especially in college. Um, and the, the time away gave me a chance to study and watch and primarily the people in the jazz organization, whether it was Quinn two years ago or Will this past year. Uh, I got to study what some of the best coaches in the world do. And it opens up your eyes. And so I think it was a combination of kind of self-reflection, uh, but also, you know, going out there and learning about the game from some of the best people. Because a lot of times, I can speak for college in general, you, it's really hard to carve out that time. And so for this two year, these two years, I feel like I'm a better person and I feel like I know more about the game. And when you marry those two things, my hope is it produces a better coach. Um, look, I haven't coached at the NBA level. I have, I've coached for, I've been a head coach for a long time, and I've been in basketball at a high level for a long time. Um, but as I sit here, I have the humility to know that I don't have all the answers, and I'm going to need help and guidance, and I have a lot to learn. But I also sit here with the belief that I will give the effort that is worthy of the commitment that the stars and the jazz have made to me. What is your connection to Utah? Like what brought you to 
Park City? Yeah, so my wife Lindsay is from Utah. We actually got married in Deer Valley. Um, and so, you know, her family is still here. And, you know, when COVID hit, like everything shut down. I wasn't allowed to actually even be on the Marquette campus for like three months. So we just headed west. Um, and while I spent a significant amount of time in Utah for, you know, really the last close to two decades, um, we got to spend an extended amount of time in Park City during right in the beginning of COVID. And we bought a house. And then when everything, my, you know, I got fired at Marquette, we moved out here full time. I love Utah. And if you would have asked me as a 16-year-old growing up outside Baltimore City, like, you're going to live in Utah someday, I would have been like, I don't know about that. Um, but I, I've fallen in love with the place, and my kids love it. And, uh, you know, that's, that's really important to me. Um, so that's my connection with Utah. The G League is insane. You've got players coming up and coming down all the time, yeah. right? Like, just so much turnover. And how do you kind of attack that challenge and kind of what interests you about the G League in, in general? Well, the G League is one of the best leagues in the world. Obviously, we all know that the NBA is the best basketball league in the world, and it's not, not really close. But not far behind that, if not right behind that, is the G League. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. And the opportunity to coach uh, the high-level players that are a part of the G League uh, is really exciting. And I've been fortunate to coach a lot of high-level players during my basketball journey, and the opportunity to do that again is special. But one of the things that makes the G League, if you, if you consider it from the, the standpoint of you have one of – the best basketball leagues in the world. Um, the mission of the G League is particularly intriguing to me because it's a league of development and growth. Now, look, winning is super important to me. And if you ask anybody that I've ever been around, they would agree with that statement. Uh, but the opportunity to be a part of of players and staff's journey as they grow and try to develop in their own basketball journeys is something that I'm like the most excited about. Like I want to do a great job of creating a culture that mirrors the jazz. And in my judgment, you know, and, and watching what Will did this year, it was incredible. You know, I saw a team that, competed every night. I saw a team that was connected and I saw a team that played with joy. And so I would like our culture to be very similar and mirror that because I believe in all three of those things deeply. But I would also, I want a culture of growth from everyone. 
Now, obviously, the priority is the players, but that needs to be our staff, and that needs to be anybody who's associated with it because that's what the league is for. The league is, is a league where people go there to improve themselves, to improve their games, and to improve their future opportunities. And I love that about coaching. You know, because for so long, 20-something years in college, as much as people can say it's about some of those things, it's just not. It's a bottom-line business. And, uh, and I get the bottom line. I lived it for most of my life. And the bottom line is still important, Marquise, I'm telling you that. But, like, the development piece is, is the, and the growth piece to help the players and to help the Jazz is our priority. Um, you said you learned some things of coaching 7th and 8th grade middle school. I'm curious if you could elaborate on what you learned. Well, you know, communication is so important. And meeting people where they're at is so important in coaching. And um, you know, sometimes simpler is better. And so... Uh, what coaching um sorry uh what coach my kids is the joy you know and and sometimes in college that can be robbed from you so to see the game through my kids eyes again and their friends eyes that was awesome and you know one of the things i promised my kids is that when I got back into coaching, there was always going to be joy to it. Because that's why I fell in love with the game. The game didn't fall in love with me. You know, like when I walked in the room, it wasn't like, oh, yeah, that guy must have played basketball at Duke and was an All-American and National Defensive Player of the Year. That's not, no one says that when I walk in the room. You know, they hand me their keys and tell me to park the car. Um, but I, fe I fell in love with the game. The game didn't fall in love with me. And I found joy in the game as a young person. And, you know, if I'm completely transparent and honest, at the end of my coaching journey, I lost that. And I'm not losing that again. And my kids taught me that. So, sorry. I love my kids. They're watching. They told me to say that. So. Steve, do you feel like you maybe lost that joy for coaching because of the like, pressure, expectations, or what was it that led to kind of those feelings at the end of your time at Marquette? Yeah, I mean, I, certainly pressure and expectations and, and kind of the, the challenges of the job. I mean, I mean, we may not have enough time to talk about all those things. Um, but... You know, I think one of the things that for coaches, because I consult and mentor a lot of young coaches, is, you know, you got to be really aware of the story you tell yourself. Because there's pressure and expectations in anything in life that's worth going for. Um, so one of the things I learned is that i gotta, I got to be aware of the story I'm telling myself. You know, if you would have asked me whatever, four or five years ago, I, I would have told you that being fired was the worst, one of the worst things that could have happened to me at, professionally. But as I sit here today, it's one of the best things that ever happened to me. 
because it's given me a different perspective. And I hope to share that with the players. You know, like the players in the G League, um, they're in the G League for a reason. And there's, there's a place they want to go in basketball. And I'm not sure for the vast majority of them, the final destination is the G League. And so um, as much as I love the game, I love that part of development because development is not just uh, physical and, and skills. Development of a player is physical, emotional, and mental. And the last two years, uh, I've spent more time on the other side. So a lot of the things that these players are going to be going through, I've lived it as a high-level achiever. Because if you're in the G League, you're a high-level achiever. And there's something there that needs to be developed and brought out so that you can be your best self. Um, I've experienced that journey personally, and I have reference points. I have reference points for uh, failure. I have reference points for challenge. I have reference points for struggle. But I also have reference points for incredible success. And my hope is to share that daily uh, with the guys and with the people uh, that I work with. Because uh, one of the things I've loved in the last two years is being able to share that with people in coaching that I care about and trying to help them. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's one of the things I'm excited to do. Sometimes in the G League, I mean, oftentimes, most of the time, the coaching staff with the affiliate team wants the G League to be, like, running the same stuff so that when guys get called up, you know, they're ready to, like, plug in to the Jazz roster, right? So there's not, like, a ton of coaching autonomy where that is concerned. So, like, how do you create your own style within that? Well, one of the things I mentioned earlier is that I missed was being a, a great teammate. And if you asked people um, throughout my basketball journey as a player, assistant coach or head coach or, or whatever, um, I'm going to be a great teammate to Marquise and to the, the, the entire Stars organization and to the Jazz. So what, what serves the parent organization, the Jazz, is what we're going to work our tails off to get done. And... Um, I've, I'm confident that we'll get it done, but if we don't, it's not going to be for lack of trying. Um, I love, I, I love that responsibility, and I'm lo really looking forward to learning more from Will over the course of the season. When I would come down and, and watch practices, uh, so impressed with him and his staff, and I have a uh, there's a lot I can learn uh, from them. And, you know, as we continue this journey, it's exactly what he wants. And then I have to do that within my own personality and flavor. Um, but the opportunity to be a part, to be a teammate to the Stars and what they've already built and to the Jazz is, that's one of the most exciting things. I know that you mentioned your friendship with Quinn also, I know it goes back to the Duke connection yeah. with him, but what has that been like throughout the years? 
uh, incredible. I mean, Quinn's an incredible human being, and he had a, a huge impact on my life at some of my most formative years in college, where you're trying to figure out how to go from a young man to a man. Um, you know, Quinn's feelings about the jazz organization in Salt Lake City, like, he loves this place. So maybe the most excited person for me was outside of my family was him because of how much he respects the organization and the people in it, you know? Um, so, you know, he's, he's, he's super excited, just like a good friend should be, you know? And he's got a good friend that's going to be a part of a place that he no longer works at, but he deeply cares about. Aside from coaching 7th and 8th graders and uh, the occasional yoga class, how have you been kind of keeping yourself busy these last couple of years? Yeah, um, you know, obviously when you ha- when I was coaching in college, you know, I, I, did, I didn't make enough time for my kids. Um, so, you know, that's been a, a priority. Um, I've also thrown myself into learning, whether it's, you know, I, I was down here for the last two years quite a bit, uh, went to other training camps, I've... I've consulted a lot of coaches because especially when you're a head coach it can be super lonely so I've I've worked with a lot of college coaches as as a friend and somebody that's walked their path to to try to help them as they're kind of navigating their own journey um and I've worked for ESPN I was part of the media uh worked for ESPN this year which was which was great um you know, I, I tell people it's like being in the amusement park without getting on the scary rides. It, you know, like being in TV and calling uh, basketball games. But I'm ready to get back on the scary ride. So. Any last questions? Do you have a, any previous relationship with Dwayne? Dwayne Wade? Uh, yeah. So I co- oh, I was part of the staff that coached him in 2008 uh, the Olymp- in, with the Redeem team. You know, he may have been our best player. Uh, And then, yeah, I was at Marquette. So, you know, like all the time leading up to, you know, my my experience with the Olympic team from 2006 to 2012, both Beijing and London. Uh, But Dwayne was really in that first, um, that first group. And then that experience led to his time at Marquette. And he deeply loves Marquette and should. Um, so I got to be around him then. And then, you know, I saw it when I was down here um, over the past couple of years, ran into him. So, um, you know, he's a special human being. Okay. And we'll take him if he's ready to come out of retirement, <laughs> right? We'll take him. We? So thank you, guys. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind 
only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com. Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.